Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. The NFL yesterday announced that players must stand when the national anthem is played. However, they can also remain in the locker room if they choose. The announcement stems from a protest that former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick started in 2016 when he kneeled during the anthem. Other players followed. However, protesting in sports goes back decades, from boxer Muhammad Ali affecting the way we thought about the war in Vietnam to much more recent incidents closer to home with the Mizzou football team. An iconic sports protest happened on the medal stand during the 1968 Olympics when medalist Tommy Smith and John Carlos raised gloved hands in a black power salute denouncing racism. Prominent sports sociologist Harry Edwards was the driving force behind that 1968 protest. Edwards is a native St. Louisan and grew up in East St. Louis. He's a professor emeritus at the University of California in Berkeley. I spoke with him last year about protests in sports, and with yesterday's news from the NFL, we have an excerpt of that conversation. I recalled to Edwards the protests of black athletes from decades ago and asked whether the protests of black athletes today were any less courageous. Uh, African-American athletes are still black in America, and it still takes courage uh, uh, to step out front because you uh, still risk everything, uh, including your life. It takes a tremendous amount of courage to make a statement when people are saying, essentially, uh, go play the sport, entertain me, sit down and shut up. I mean, people challenge uh, Colin Kaepernick because he took a knee during the playing of the national anthem. They would have challenged him if they had, if he had taken a knee during the playing of chopsticks because what they really want him to do is to sit down and shut up. They don't want to hear it. So nothing has changed in that regard. It's not that we haven't made progress. We obviously have. It's just that there are no final victories because the dynamics uh, of the uh, developments at the interface of race, sport, and society continue to evolve and change. You know, there, there are a lot of people in our society today who resent public figures coming forward and taking public positions on controversial issues. It happens with actors and actresses and, and, and certainly with, uh, with athletes. How does this uh, shape up in your mind in terms of this uh, resentment? Well, I mean, that has always been there. There's nothing uh, that has changed with regard to that. Uh, people go to the movies uh, to see the storyline and the plot in the film. They don't go uh, to see uh, Susan uh, Sarandon uh, rip uh, the new uh, presidential administration or what have you. They go to a football game uh, to watch uh, two teams participate. They don't go uh, to see Kaepernick make a political statement. And, of course, that is considered uh, an intrusion uh, on their um, uh, rights, on, on their uh, prerogatives, and uh, they would that's not what they're paying for. Uh, but uh, that is a part of history. It has always been that way. No one who speaks out has ever been welcomed with open arms for the most part, even when people say, it, say things like, I understand the message. Uh, the reality is that silence, has always been evil's greatest and most consistently dependable ally. And uh, that is what people really want, even in the face of the uh, grossest, most grievous uh, kinds of um, transgressions, especially by authorized authorities, such as the shooting of black men, women, and children uh, by police officers. 
Uh, Dr. Edwards, uh, one of the things that I've been reading about you and getting ready for this program um, concerns an interview that you had on the uh, Colin Kaepernick, um, the uh, the 49ers quarterback who, as you put it, took a knee uh, during the playing of the national anthem as part of a protest movement. One of the things that you said that kind of uh, made me want to ask you this question is you equate what he did with what Muhammad Ali did in the 60s with regard to the Vietnam War. I find that uh, I find that hard to 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 accept, given the impact uh, of Ali's uh, demonstrations and and actions. Well, um, the impact of Ali's demonstrations and reactions, in retrospect, um, uh, is what it is that you're reacting to. Uh, the major impact that Muhammad Ali had uh, was in shifting uh, the framing of the discussion. Uh, he, the first time I met Ali was in 1960. He was the he was on the boxing team, and they were training at San Jose State because San Jose State's boxing coach, boxing was a collegiate sport at the time, uh, was Julie Menendez, who, by the way, was also from East St. Louis, which is how I ended up at San Jose State. Uh, and he introduced me to Ali. And the one thing that I saw about Ali, that he was of a different cut. Uh, he was brilliant. He was bombastic. And he was not like the traditional mold of black athletes at that time. Uh, do your boxing in the ring, keep quiet, leave, and don't say anything, and most certainly don't do what Jack Johnson did, which is to flaunt your brilliance and and flaunt your success. Ali broke with that. Uh, I mean, he came out screaming, I'm black and I'm beautiful, and so forth and so on, especially after he became uh, Muhammad Ali. Um, This is why um, the difference was that Ali was not Joe Lewis, just as Tommy Smith and John Carlos was not Jesse Owens. Bill Russell was not Earl Lloyd. Uh, Jim Brown was not Kenny Washington. Arthur Ashe was not Althea Gibson. It was a paradigm shift and a break. Uh, This is the same thing that happened with regard to uh, Colin Kaepernick. Uh, There were statements that were being made uh, by black athletes, uh, St. Louis uh, Rams players running on the field in the hands-up, don't shoot, uh, gesture, other athletes making statements. But once the national anthem played and so forth, they were essentially uh, into their game. They were looking forward to the kickoff. What Colin did as a injured backup player who was not even active was to make a statement during the course of a scheduled event associated with the game. People began to look at that. That shifted uh, the intensity and the focus of the argument and discussion. And this is why, uh, knowing uh, sports as I do, and having been a student of sport for 50 years, um, I got in touch with the Smithsonian and told them they better get um, his uh, shoes and jersey and uh, the Time magazine with him on the cover and the rest of it in the Smithsonian, because five years from now they probably wouldn't be able to afford it. People will look back at the Colin Kaepernick demonstrations and understand that there was a paradigm shift there that literally upgraded and intensified uh, the character and caliber of the discussion around issues of race in American society. That argument that the Kerner Commission report uh, in 1968 following Dr. Um, King's assassination had called for, and nobody had been able to achieve that until a mixed-race kid who grew up in Turlock as part of a white family and played his college ball at University of Nevada, Reno, took a knee and said, essentially, we are better than this. And as we get through this thing, and we're going to come out of it better, as we get through it 50 years from now, just as we look back on Ali, we will look back on Colin Kaepernick and say, yeah, 
that was a contribution. I don't care if he doesn't do anything for the rest of his life. What kind of conversations have you had with him about this? Does he talk well, about his motivation and, and, and about the, the, the aspect of courage? Oh, yeah. You know, uh, I'm a counselor for the 49ers, have been for 31 years. And uh, Colin and I talked on the very first day uh, that he um, that he came on board. Uh, I was involved in uh, his selection. We drafted him in the second round. A tremendous athlete, six five, you know, two hundred and fifty pounds, was running the four three eight forty, and had an arm like a, a howitzer. And so we saw tremendous uh, possibilities in him. And uh, part of my job was to make sure that he grew and evolved uh, in terms of his football and in terms of his. Uh, his citizenship, and uh, it, it, it was a, a tough transition uh, to the big stage, uh, and so we talked all the time, and there was never a time that I was in camp when he wouldn't walk over and say, hey, Doc, uh, I, I need to read something. What do you think? of? Give me some books. I gave him autobiography, autobiography of Malcolm X. I gave him uh, James Baldwin, The Fire Next Time. Uh, he asked me about various articles, uh, and so forth. Uh, I gave him works by uh, Angela Davis and Maya Angelou. Uh, I gave him uh, the original Richard Wright notes of a native son and so forth. So all of this, um, he was just simply flat out devouring. Uh, my own hope is that he will eventually go uh, to the university and get, um, uh, get himself a PhD and decide what he wants to do with his life. And um, in that sense, because he's an absolutely brilliant young man. That's an excerpt of a conversation from last year with sports sociologist Harry Edwards talking about the history and current nature of protests in sports. The NFL yesterday announced that it would require players to stand during the national anthem, an issue stemming back from the kneeling protests that former 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick started in 2016. Harry Edwards, by the way, was born in St. Louis and grew up in East St. Louis. He is a professor emeritus at the University of California, Berkeley. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. 